Welcome back. This is Prospects Worldwide. Thanks for tuning in once more. You know the drill by now. We are breaking down the wild 2020 MLB draft, division by division. We've covered both the AL and the NL East with their standout draft picks like Beck Way, Kobe Mayo, Isaiah Green, and JT Ginn. Now we go to the always tight NL Central, where a key prospect could be all you need to put you over the top. Today I'm your host, John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. So as always, I am joined by my co-host and illustrious owner of Prospects Worldwide, the commander of Catcher Framing, Jake Tillinghast. Jake, how do you like that nickname today? Uh... It's a little interesting. I don't. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know why you call me that. Is it better than the Sultan of Scout like last time? It's not too bad. I mean, you can call me whatever you want. Okay. I think I'm gonna have to do a new nickname each episode, and uh, we have to just keep recording as long as I have new nicknames. Fair enough. When you're done, we'll be done. <laughs> All right. It's gonna be a short-lived podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are joined today by the one and only Zach Silverman. And uh, Zach, I apologize. I don't have a nickname for you. Fine, I'll just be Zach. Zach. Zach works for me. Uh, <laughs> Wackity whack. Here comes Zach. I was wild thing in Little League because I showed up wearing the big Rick specs. All right. Zach Wild Thing Silverman, everybody. <laughs> it's really going to cut into our future episodes every time we have to come up with new nicknames. <laughs> Guys, today it is just us. Chris has some business to attend to, so I'm relying on both of you to, to get me through. Teach me everything I need to know about these new draft picks. Before we dive in, do either of y'all have anything you need to promote or bring up? Um, not too much. We just got some, uh, some new content coming out pretty soon, some 2021 draft stuff, and then some prospect ranks coming out pretty soon. So be on the lookout over the next few weeks. Okay. Good stuff coming out of prospectsworldwide.com. And, uh, I do need to note to the listeners, uh, we aren't outright ignoring the negotiations happening between MLB, the MLB and the MLBPA. Uh, these episodes are strictly for scouting purposes in the future. We're almost certainly going to be touching on these incredibly important topics but for this, we're going to do the six-part series and cover these draft picks and you know, get to those types of conversations afterwards. So today's the AL Central, and we've got some fun picks here. So leading off with the Tigers, in recent years, the Tigers have made it pretty evident that they want hitters. They keep stocking up the farm with batters, and, and this year is no different. All six picks were hitters, starting with number one overall, Spencer Torkelson. Uh, Tork is a premier hitter, and he was the name in the draft. I've heard Andrew Vaughn with power a little bit of Votto, some Chris Bryant, all very different players, and each of them with you know their own lofty expectations. So my question, and, and you, you two can feel free to talk about the bat as well, but he was an average defender at first, and they draft him at third. That requires a little bit better defense. Is he going to be able to stick there? What are Torque's flaws? Is it only on D? I mean, he's, he's probably a little above average at first base, but he maybe could fit a third if you were willing to sacrifice a little bit of range. But I don't know why you'd even really mess with that uh, i mean because i mean i'm here to talk about the bat i mean I th- what what can't you say about spencer torkelson's bat that hasn't already been said i mean i think he has m- more power than vaughn and Votto. uh probably around around bryant maybe even a little more than chris bryant especially what he's shown lately it, it's legitimate raw power he's at 54 home runs in 129 games at arizona state which is a lot and it's it's power that plays in games to the highest degree. It, it, he can pull a ball out of the stadium. He can hit, hit something the other way, go to dead center. He can take you deep. If you're throwing a hundred, he can knock like a, he can knock a located slider out of the park. It'll play with wood. It'll play anywhere. It's legitimate kind of top of the scale game power. 
and it's going to play in the minors and it's going to play in the majors. It's, it's just going to play. And it's, it's incredible how consistently he gets to that power. Cause it's, if you took away all of his power, he'd still be a good, a good contact hitter. You say you take away all of his home runs and all of his singles and all, or all of his doubles and triples and just let him hit singles. He'd still be a plus contact hitter. His, I at the plate is elite. He's an extremely patient hitter. When pitchers stops pitching to him, which is probably maybe day two at Arizona State, he stopped chasing. This year, he walked 31 times, played four weeks. He walked 31 times in four weeks, 38% of his plate appearances. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's good. It's pretty good. And he's still <laughs> managing to hit for impact and hit, not just for, hit for impact, just hit for an incredible amount of impact while pitchers are not coming anywhere near the zone against him. Um, he's going to go up to the majors pretty quickly. Uh, I, I don't know why you'd really mess with him at third base. If the Tigers want to do it, by all means, let him do it. But I, I mean, he's just going to hit his way up real quick. He's a, he's a 40 homer bat, high on base guy. He's the kind of guy that can anchor a lineup. But I mean, you know all this. I mean, we, we've all talked about Spencer Torkelson. He's the power hitter. And there's no reason not to be all in on him. And, and, and to boot, he's got an August birthday. He's still not even 21. Like, there's no flaws in his offensive game. Now, I know Cabrera, uh, Miguel Cabrera came up in the Marlins and went to the Tigers, but it's kind of similar, came up as a third baseman, moved to first base, had that power, had that contact. It's kind of similar, MVP candidate like Cabrera. Yeah, I think totally. I think Cabrera was a little bit better of a pure hitter because I think Spencer Torkelson's probably a 55 or 60 grade pure hitter, uh, but Torkelson's power is every bit there, even perhaps even more than Miguel Cabrera, just in terms of the sheer force with which you can drive a ball out of the stadium. But yeah, I think I like, he'll, he will be the kind of, I mean, will be, I mean, Cabrera is a hall of fame hitter, but he's got that kind of upside. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely agree with the bat. I'm not sure he can obviously, like you said, be Miguel Cabrera with the complete upside, but overall he definitely has really high potential. So, I mean, I wouldn't question it, but also I think Miggy was a little bit better younger with, with the glove than Torkelson is. I'm not really knocking Torkelson too much. I do think he's actually above average with the glove, but I just think Mickey was a little bit better too. And he took a little bit while to move over to first base as well. Also, just kind of touching on the defensive side, I do think that Torkelson could last at third or even left field. I just, like you said, I don't see the reason to do it. There's no real reason to kind of get cute with it. I think the Tigers are just more or less doing it to kind of see what they can get out of the, uh, Torkelson. If they can get some uh, some play in left field, some play at third base, it just kind of opens up more power in the lineup, which they desperately need. But yeah, I mean, he'll definitely find his way back over at first base. And it kind of reminds you of uh, of Bryce Harper. Remember, Bryce Harper was a catcher at uh, College of Southern Nevada, and the Nationals drafted it, and were like, I mean, he could have stuck a catcher. I mean, you can imagine Bryce Harper as a catcher. Um, but the Nationals... Oh, I, I know Bryce Harper as a catcher. I had to play against that at 13 years old. That was not fun. That guy was throwing... Yeah, it was not fun. Yeah, I played like high school tournaments, not high school tournaments, sorry. Travel ball tournaments and stuff. We played at... Uh, he was he was like from Nevada, obviously in Southern California when he was younger, but played in, on a team called the Southern California Red Wings, and I was on the Sluggers and a team called the HB Vikings. We would get absolutely crushed by those guys every single time. We would go out there, he would catch, he would pitch, he would hit bombs out of the park. He would it was a complete mess out there. He would throw balls to center field from the catcher spot just to more or less do it to show off his arm from the crouch, not even standing up. It was quite the show. And you know Scott from watching when he was 13. Oh, yeah. They were all out there. <laughs> Scott Boris was out there. My coach would make sure we knew it, too. <laughs> <laughs> As a 13-year-old, how was his hair? Uh, I don't remember that, but I do remember because I actually just saw a v- recent video of it just actually surfaced on um, on Twitter recently of him hitting. He had a really interesting batting stance back in the day. A lot of people were talking about it. 
on the on the post. He he, he might have retweeted it as well. Yeah, he was. He looked a lot like Craig Council. It wasn't as defiant as him, but it was. It had some similarities. Which he had the high hands, high kind of like movie wiggle bat. But it was fun to watch. He was like, a, I mean, you know how good he is. So I don't really say much more. Yeah. The, welcome to the Bryce Harper podcast. <laughs> We will be talking only about Bryce Harper for the next 416 days. Hey, if um, I played against Bryce Harper when I was in Little League, I would talk about it for about 416 days. Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you got to definitely say it, especially when it comes to be a good player. It's, it's definitely fun. So it makes sense that the Spencer Torkelson conversation goes into Bryce Harper. <laughs> they are elite players. Of course. But moving on to the next, talking about Harper being drafted as a catcher, the Tigers select a catcher, Dylan Dingler out of Ohio State. This kid's probably going to be the majors because of his defense, but his bat's pretty greatly improved over the last three years. Uh, in college, he added 100 points to his batting average and 460 points to his OPS. Jake, is, is he going to be the total package? I, I don't think his defense is amazing. I, I'm a little lower on his defense maybe than some are or even you, but I definitely think he can stick a catcher. I just think he's such a good athlete that he might end up moving off that. And just the fact he's got a pretty big body too. He's six foot three and just for my general thought and like I'm not a big fan of having too big of a catcher just long term you kind of mess with their knees and just with his I love athleticism it's just I don't know I would prefer him kind of move off at least in the kind of short term maybe but if he comes up as a catcher I wouldn't be too upset with it but just kind of moving on with him is like he, he, he had a broken hammock bone in college that kind of people worried about his power coming back but I don't really think it's going to be too much of an issue like for lately we've been seeing kind of hit power hitters not really hamper too much uh, after a few years and stuff. I mean, Matt Olson last year in the majors came back and hit, I think, 38 homers in like three quarters of a season. So it's a lot of people aren't getting too hampered by it. There's some, some good medical stuff on it. So he has good run time. Like I said, he's a good athlete. He's got six, 60 run grades. Um, probably going to move down to a 50, especially if he's six behind the plate. He's just going to come knock on his knees. Like I said, he's got a big body. I've had about a 60 raw power consistently in a game. It's about a 55 power too. So I definitely think it fits. And Considering, like I said, with his athleticism, potential to move off of catcher, um, I kind of have a decent little comparison with him with Dalton Varshow, but he's more than likely to move off of catcher. I think Dingler's a little bit better defensively, but I like that comparison. Yeah, that, that handmade thing definitely explains the, the power because in his first two seasons in college, he had seven home runs and slugged 396. Yep. Uh, in his last four games before the shutdown, he had five home runs. I mean, I think we, we might disagree a little bit on whether he's going to stick behind the plate. I think he, I definitely think he's going to stick back there. I, I mean, he's such a good athlete that I wouldn't really be worried about the size. Good arm, work, moves well behind the plate. I think you stick him back there, you let him hit. I don't think he's going to be like a 40 home run guy or anything, but you, you let him hit 20, 25 home runs a year, maybe bumping up for 30 in his best years. Uh, do that behind the plate, solid on base percentages. He's a guy who knows how to work the count. Uh, I think you got yourself a real a legitimate kind of impact catcher and there aren't a lot of those these days so it's something really valuable to have so i'm looking at mlb.com uh, their prospect rankings dylan dangler scouting report 50 hit 50 power and then it turns 55 fielding 65 arm 55 run i think i'm, I'm with zach i think this sticks behind the plate i wouldn't be shocked either like i said like he's definitely got the tools to stick behind there i just personally i mean quite honestly you definitely got to let him try to stick behind the plate especially with the bat because if like like i said if you can kind of make that work then there's not many in the league that can kind of have that package that he has the only one that really comes to my mind right off the bat is gt real muto and he's in my opinion the best catcher in the league so perfect comparison. yeah so i mean like i would definitely try it don't get me wrong like i, I probably sold him a little short I just would be weary of it, I guess, going forward. So I guess you sold me a little bit. Okay, <laughs> That's what I do. 
Well, time to sell on this one. Danny Cabrera is the next pick by the Tigers. They got him uh, competitive balance round B. He's a former high school standout that's been a couple of years at LSU, kind of polishing his game. He's my personal favorite type of player, contact first with power that's going to come in the future. I mean, I've said it on here before, and I'll be a broken record with it. There's no point in having power if you can't make contact. So, Zach, this kid's going to make contact, right? Is the rest of his game going to catch up? I think it will. I, I also was a big fan of the Cabrera pick. He's a really interesting hitter. He, in, in high school, coming out of high school in Baton Rouge, he was known kind of for his hit tool. And he's known as a polished hitter who's going to contribute from day one at LSU. He's going to start all two years and four weeks at LSU. He's got a really, really advanced professional approach to the plate. Really, really clean swing. It's a simple swing. Gets the bat gets the bat where it needs to go. Gets it through the ball and gets it there. It's, it's a really kind of complete package just from kind of the hit tool standpoint in terms of the, the, the play discipline and the clean swing and the ability to make contact and the hand-eye coordination. He's kind of hit for average power, but he was starting to hit for a little more. And he's always hit for some impact, but he was starting to drive the ball with more authority, look more than just a singles hitter in his uh, in this year, in, in his junior year. And if he continued hitting like this, I mean, you say this about a lot of people, but he could have risen upwards a little bit more. I, I think he's going to continue to hit for that impact. You could look at it, if you're a pessimist, you could look at it as kind of a tweener profile because most of those hit over power guys have the speed and the defense and he doesn't. He's more of a fringy runner and an average defender. Is it, not much. Not, he's not providing much value out there aside from just kind of the, the basics. But so you could, the pessimist could look at him as kind of a tweener and that he doesn't hit enough to start and he ends up kind of a fourth outfielder. But I, I like the bat enough. I think he's going to continue to hit, and I think he's going to stick, and I think he's going to start and be, you know, one of those 15 to 20 home run guys, good on-base percentages, you know, just enough to play. And mm-hmm. I think I think the Tigers are getting good value here. I definitely think he's a decent enough athlete to kind of stick out there in the outfield. I don't think he'll be a right fielder long-term, just because I don't think the combined profile doesn't really match out there. But I definitely think he can be an above-average left fielder. Just maybe not above average, average defensively, but just overall, the, the overall package will be a really solid hit, hitter out there, and he'll provide pretty decent defense, probably about a 45 defensive grade out there. But I, I, I think the power's not, like you said, it's not great, but he, his swing is starting to gear a little, a little bit more towards the power. When he, when he kind of turns on the ball, he has some power, but he uses the lower half well. It's just his swing is very, very level, so it's just he doesn't get much kind of lift on it. If the Tigers can kind of work on that a little bit, get a little bit of lift, He'll probably tap in a little bit more of raw power. That stadium's not the best for it exactly. I, I think his I think his game of kind of just finding the just kind of finding the outfield grass, finding some gaps is gonna play really well out there. I, I don't he's not really been a big double hitter yet, but I think it's kind of gonna come I could see some 30, 30 plus uh, 35 double seasons in his game, but I definitely like the pick. The Tigers are putting honestly a really, really solid draft together and one they quite honestly really needed. Well, tell me what you think about this next pick, because this one is starting where I, I get a little iffy here. Trey Cruz, shortstop out of Rice, he seems just to be fine at everything, kind of like a 45, 50 grade at at, everything. Uh, Not off the charts in anything, not even, you know, he's just fine. He's patient, but he strikes out. He has pop, but less zone control. Like, what type of future does this guy have? I think you just gave my scouting report. That's a, I think you're right about that. He's shows flashes of, you know, above average tools kind of all over the place, but it's not like anywhere it's a lot of butts there's a lot of butts in his profile he's got he shows some power it's not plus power but he's got some 50 sometimes 55 grade power he, he's good at controlling the zone but he also he does strike out good defender but he might not stick it short it, it's kind of a lot of things you hope get a little bit better he's really close to being kind of an impact player in a lot of areas and again you can go pessimist optimist pessimist is he ends up between or optimist you've got a lot of opportunities 
to get a little better in one area and then have a real impact kind of ability there. If he adds a little bit of power, mm-hmm. he could be like a power hitter. If he adds a little bit of plate discipline, I think he's going to be a strong big league utility player. He adds a little bit of defense, then all of a sudden the bat looks a little bit more attractive. So there's a lot of opportunities for him to just get a little better. And he's, he's a good athlete. He's a projectable, kind of projectable frame. A little bit of a handsy setup at the plate. Hopefully you can quiet him down a little bit. Then he can get a little bit better with the uh, with the swing and miss. It's, it's definitely an interesting interesting player. I don't know if I love the pick, especially since he signed over slot. Just barely. It was 40000 over slot. Yeah, I was hoping they'd save money. I mean, not hoping, but I, I was thinking mm. it was a, a little bit of a money saver, but it clearly wasn't. So they didn't save money at Cruz, and then they went on the very next pick, and they almost doubled the slot for the next guy, Gage Workman. He came out of Arizona State with uh, their first overall pick, Torkelson. It's an interesting little dichotomy there because Torkelson gets drafted as a third baseman. Workman was the third baseman at Arizona State that kept Tork off third base, and now he's going to the same team. Is he going to play shortstop? Is he going to play third base? Uh, I mean, he would have played shortstop at Arizona State if it wasn't for Alika Williams. I know this is a very confusing thing, but I feel like this is a confusing situation right now. Where is Workman going to stick if Torkelson is at third? Well, for starters, the guy's name's the, the guy's middle name is Tater. So regardless of where he plays, it's going to be a W. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, but honestly, I, I think they're going to try to run him out at shortstop. But like, especially with the Torkelson thing, I just don't see it. I mean, he's a really good defender there. I just think with the size, it just makes too much sense over at third base. But he's he can definitely be a plus defender over there. He showed it at ASU. He showed it on the Cape. He showed it. He's proved it. He just, like you said, he just didn't play it because of, they had Alika Williams, one of the better defenders in the draft. So you're not going to mess with that, obviously. So you move along and put him at third base. So moving along, um, the bat, I I like the bat a lot. It has some power. He's a switch hitter. He's got a little bit different rhythm from both sides. I definitely like his left-handed swing a little bit better. He's got, like I said, he's got more rhythm and more sync into it, more more timing. Just um, he's willing to go the other way a little bit more frequently, show some nice power. The right-handed swing is a little bit, I would say, antsy and kind of just extends his arms doesn't or doesn't extend his arms too well. Bat gets a little long, and he's really more or less heavy pull from the right-hand side. Personally, I think his right-hand swing is just not the best. It's definitely got some room for improvement. With the Tigers, will probably have to work with him. But the left-handed swing is pretty solid, and he should hit right-handed pitching pretty well. Yeah, I think this was an interesting kind of season for him because he's a year young for the class. He's actually the age of a college sophomore but he enrolled a year early at Arizona State it was an interesting year because he kind of came into the season on the fringes of the first round conversation he hadn't really I mean he he hit well as a sophomore at Arizona State but he hadn't really quite his resume didn't quite stack up to the other college guys in that range of the draft it was more on the projection with him because he was such a such a young guy and kind of up here hitting with these older older players and I think there's a little bit of a market correction because he came in and he over the short season he didn't really hit that well he, he was over aggressive at the plate and and didn't I think he struck out 21 times to four walks or five walks or something he kind of fell more into the second round range ended up falling to uh he fell 102 uh in the fourth round so he, he kind of fell back into the second round range and then now he fell uh looks like he fell away to pick number 102 it was over slot but it was a little bit of a market correction on him but I think this guy does have a ton of projection as a player, I'd be excited to see this, but I, I definitely agree with Jake that the left-handed swing is better than the right-handed swing. But, I mean, again, he's a young kid. Uh, I, I'd like to see see him kind of smooth it out. and He, he could be a 30-homer power bat, um, especially if he gets a little more refined in that approach. And with the defense, 
uh, especially with the way everybody's shifting nowadays, it's it's really big to have a good defensive third baseman who can handle shortstop if needed, and Workman provides that. Well, so so moving away from Workman, uh, the Tigers get a, a wildly toolsy player who I know both of you love, uh, Colt Keith. He's the only high schooler they drafted, and he's got massive upside and athleticism to boot. If he develops the way we think he's going to, what's Colt's ceiling? I can't believe they signed this kid for five hundred thousand uh, dollars. His ceiling is is immense. Um, this is a kid with power, speed, hitting ability, defense. I mean, he's a really well rounded player. He could be a five tool player. Um, I, I can't believe the discount they got on this guy. Five hundred thousand. It was barely over slot in the fifth round when I was. I would have pegged him to be well over a million dollar signing bonus. So he's got. So from the left side, he's six foot three he comes in he's got a good athletic frame and he's got a really short choppy swing but even with that kind of short swing he's shown above average hitting ability the ability to catch up to uh to advanced pitching on the showcase circuit and he's been able to tap some good power and he's only going to grow into more even though he's just kind of doesn't get a ton of extension um he gets gets good natural loft on that side so once you kind of lengthen him through the zone just a little bit you don't get him too long he could profile for plus power above average hitting ability plus power i mean that's a real impact hitter a guy who can hurt you in a lot of ways in the batter's box and then he's he's an above average runner um maybe stick it short right now he plays shortstop i mean it's far from a guarantee but he has a chance to stick it short if he sticks it short that's a that's an all-star player if he moves to third the bat absolutely profiles there as well and it'll be interesting between him and workman because they both be above average defenders there i don't know you there's so many ways this guy can help you win i this i mean obviously you, you can't say torkelson is not your favorite pick but aside from torkelson this this is my favorite pick in what i thought was a really strong tigers draft class so question on it though i i also see in his scouting report he's a right-handed pitcher with the 55 fastball and 50 control is there two-way or is, is it just get rid of the pitching and stick to bat there I mean, if you wanted to, there could be. I would get rid of the pitching because I think I, I like the bat a lot more than I like him as a pitcher. I think he needs more refinement. Um, I think you need to refine that breaking ball a little bit, refine the command. I, I just think you have to squint a lot harder to see the impact pitcher he could turn into than to see the impact hitter he very well could be. Yeah, I, I definitely like this pick a lot. Like you said, this is tops off a really impressive draft for the Tigers. And like I said earlier, it was one they really desperately needed. They have crazy amount of pitching depth at the top they're hitting depth in the system and especially their power more or less was just kind of lacking and they overall they just added a crazy amount of depth with the bats but i love what they did and just it tops it off with one of my favorite picks of their draft and one of the favorite picks of honestly the draft like zach said i don't know how they honestly signed him for five hundred thousand dollars that was a complete shock to me but yeah i mean i don't think he'll be a two-way talent either i i, I definitely think he'll just kind of stick to the hitting i really like him like i said the hands stay pretty quiet um during his leg kicks he adjusts the high ball really well. The bat stays pretty flat through the zone. His nice line drive approach. He shows consistent high exit velocities with with the, the wooden bats and showcases and just on the summer circuit and all all around. It just it's pretty impressive to watch him hit. I, I right now I have I have future fifty five hit on him and a fifty power. I, I honestly do think the power is going to hit and I think it can honestly improve a little more off of that. Just from what I see, his swing is just so consistent and so smooth. Like Tiger's got a steal here, and I'm I'm excited to watch him hit. Um, uh, so obviously the Tigers did a great job adding some serious offensive talent to their farm, but I want to move on to the Kansas City Royals, a team that got a few real gems on the mound to face all those future Tigers. Because of the wildness at the top of the draft, the Royals were certainly not expecting their first pick to fall to them, but they were happy to get it. Uh, when Asa Lacey comes to you, you're, you're good. 
So he's potentially the most impactful arm in the entire draft. You throw him in with the farm like they, they've got with Bubich and, and Cower and Singer and Lynch, and, and that future pitching staff is just absolutely loaded. Tell me why the Royal fans should be ecstatic right now, and more importantly, what should they look out for if there are any flaws in this profile? Well, they should be excited because they already had a deep pitching staff to kind of go, um, kind of come up in the next few years, and they just got someone to kind of be the ace of that staff. They had a lot of guys that had potential to kind of be aces, but Lacey has that true ace potential. He can he can sit at the top there. So is Asa the ace over Bubich and Cower and Singer? I mean, there was talk that Singer was going to go 1-1, and now Asa was in that same conversation, 1-1. He is the new ace of this farm? I, I think so. I, I definitely like all those guys, like you mentioned. I think Singer's the best of the group they had previously. I, th- I definitely think he had that potential to be an ace. I think he's going to slot in as a really solid number two. But Lacey has that potential to be an ace. There's a little bit of concerns, but I mean, overall, I... I really like the profile. He pitches really downhill. He, like I said, he has a few pitches up to do with the, with the uh, command and repeating his arm slot a little bit. But he took a big step forward in 2020 with the short season that we had. Um, the Royals do a great job with pitchers, like we just mentioned all those names before, and they have a lot more coming on the way too below those guys that are looking really nice. But yeah, they do a great job with pitchers, and I'm sure they do with Lacey too. His fastball is 92, 95, running up to like 97 um, RPMs. Not, not the greatest, about league average, 2150 to 2350. The slider. High 80s, reaching around 90 even, about 2,400 RPM. And it's probably his best pitch. Uh, the changeup, 84, 87, 1,500, 1,600. Rarely uses it, honestly. He probably is going to need to use it a whole lot more as he kind of advances through. But I don't think it's going to take too much to kind of add that pitch in. He already shows pretty good action on it, pretty good arm speed. He shows a really good um, fastball and slider combo. So adding this changeup won't be too big of a deal. He won't need to use it a whole lot, just more or less for some writers to kind of keep them off their fastball. But... Yeah, like I said, I think this is the ace of the the Royals. We'll see how it goes, but I think it was one of the better landing spots for him. Yeah, I mean, what's not to like about Ace Lacey? You got this big, mean Texan, six four kid out of out of Central Texas in the mid nineties. This fastball, you got those that, that slider up to ninety miles an hour, and he's also more recently added a power curve as well. Uh, and in addition to that changeup, which, as Jake said, he really doesn't throw that much, but. It, People, the times he does throw it, scouts have come away thinking like that was that was a 55-60 grade pitch. His command has previously been a question for him, but he's moved that up steadily, kind of ticked up every year from like a 45 to a 50. So now it gets some 55 grades. So command is, is no longer a problem with him. And it plays up because he just attacks the zone so furious, fearlessly. I mean, you've got four above average to plus pitches and you're attacking the zone with that. There is some margin for error. Lacey is needed it less and less, but... There's nothing not to like about this guy. He's just a big, mean fireballer that is going to just, you know, for lack of a better phrase, just shove it down your throat. It, this this is a fun pitcher to watch. Big competitor, plus stuff. Got to love it. Nice. So, obviously, Lacey's going to dominate on the mound, and he will certainly be helped by the next pick, who's going to possibly be one, of the, be one of the better shortstops in the league right behind him, Nick Lofton. Don't tell Ed Howard I said that, but Lofton has some of the best defensive skills in this draft class. Will his bat play enough for him to stick in the majors? I like his bat. I have a bit of questions with the Royals being able to develop bats as a whole, but and he is going to definitely need something a little bit of development if he's going to want to tap into some power he does have. It's just I don't know. The Royals are going to need to work with him a little bit, and like I said, I don't have a whole ton of faith in the Royals developing hitters like I do with the, with their pitching staffs. But right now, I have him as a fifty hit, thirty five power. He's got nice fifty five raw power, pushing sixty, but I wouldn't give it to that yet. But yeah, his pull, it's mostly pull power. He hasn't exactly shown a ton of it, but when he does show it, it's pretty loud. 
he has some trouble up in the zone. He has his hands start really low, which just it takes him too, too much too much time to kind of get up on top of the ball up there, especially facing higher velocity. It's just at times just too much for him. Um, I think if he just gets his hands honestly just a little bit higher, it would just help that in, in general, just kind of help him get on top of the ball a little bit, just kind of getting his uh, swing started a little bit longer or a little bit quicker. Um, the Royals, like I said, haven't really shown the ability to do that. It's not the biggest change needed in his swing. It's not like he's needing a, a complete swing change, but like I said, I don't, I don't have a ton of faith in them. Like I said, his defense is pretty solid, so he, he'll, he'll rise pretty quickly. It's just going to more or less matter how that bat plays if he's going to be able to get any all-star considerations, which I don't personally see happening, but I definitely think it could be a pretty solid shortstop in the major leagues. So I'll come in and be the high guy on Nick Lofton. I've liked his bat for a long time in addition to the glove. He's been a, an elite contact hitter throughout his time at Baylor. I mean, he, he struck out just 37 times over 108 games in his first two seasons. He, he's consistently come and put the bat on the ball. He hasn't hit, he didn't hit for a ton of impact, but he, he steadily hit for more. And this year, he scouts noticed he was really starting to drive the ball with more authority. Uh, he actually he had a home run off LSU Saturday starter Landon Marco at a Minute Maid Park that went up over the railroad tracks. Um, Blasted went out of the stadium in Minute Maid Park for for our thirty five power guy. Um, so I think he's. <laughs> hey, I said it's loud. It's just it doesn't show it that often. He does, you're right. He he hasn't shown it that often yet. Personally, I'm a believer in a guy who can make such consistent contact as as he has at Baylor, and then just steadily kind of hit for more and more impact on top of that contact. I don't, I mean, I don't think he's going to be an all-star and especially as you said, the Royals don't develop bats great, but I don't think Lofton needs a ton of development. He's going to be, I think a kind of guy who the glove is going to, you know, buy some slack for the bat. And with that, I think he's going to be a starter in the major leagues, the kind of guy that hits 10 to 15 home runs a year, maybe a little more uh, good on base percentages while, you know, playing that good defensive shortstop. I think you've got a very valuable player there. I like, I like Nick Lofton a lot. Yeah, I like him too. I, I I don't think, or I hope at least my didn't really sound like I hated the guy. I just don't think that the Royals are going to be able to develop. And like he, like I said, he has the power. He has it in him, and it just doesn't show. So, Jake, do you think kind of floor? Well, obviously, floor could be never making it, but if he makes it, something similar to like a super utility player. Uh, no, I mean, I think he could definitely. You can start him at shortstop and be fine with it. He's gonna hit. He's gonna hit well. It's just. I just question the power, especially with people wanting a little more hit tool, and not, not more hit tool, just more offensive profile at the shortstop. Obviously, you want it to be, be uh, the defense, but every team, if you look at it now, more or less has a pretty big offensive power uh, profile at shortstop. And if they don't, more or less, those guys are going to have to move off of uh, off of the position. Every team's drafting shortstops high in the draft every single year, and each team is able to develop one of those bats uh, and stick at the position. So the Royals go back to the mound again, and they get a high schooler who's already on, who's already sitting mid nineties with his fastball, with the best prep changeup in the class. It's Ben Hernandez, and he was lights out in the showcase circuits. What's his report look like? Are there any glaring weaknesses? Uh, so the answer is yes. There are some glaring weaknesses that, or a, yeah, there's an a glaring weakness that I'll get to, but we can start with the fun stuff. So this, I really like this arm. He's a low nineties fastball kind of guy. He gets up to ninety five. And I think he's going to continue to add some velocity as he fills out a little bit. It's, it's a good fastball, really jumps on hitters. And it, it, But the real thing is the changeup. It's a 65-grade changeup that he throws it and it just fades and it fades and it fades. And you, hitters, like, you'll lose it. You, you don't know where it went. So you, it gets some pretty silly swings from hitters, and it will continue to do so. And it, and it tunnels really well off his fastball because he can locate both pitches, kind of its 55-grade command. So in terms of the fastball and changeup, he's a really good 
kind of two-pitch pitcher with a lot of room to grow. The curveball is kind of the weakness at this point. Uh, It's got good top-to-bottom shape, but it doesn't really have that power you want to see yet. So at this point, it's a kind of a 45-grade curveball, which he's going to need to develop that if he wants to start in the major leagues. But again, he's a high schooler. Most high schoolers have other stuff to work on. In terms of the other stuff, he's you know got you know clean delivery, good velocity, great great changeup. He's got a strikeout pitch. So all he really needs to do is kind of tighten that curveball a little bit into a 50, maybe fringe 55 pitch, and he could be an impact starting pitcher. I think. Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot to like with this pick. I'm excited to see. How he develops, he's a little old for the class. Uh, he's going to turn 19 in July. But otherwise, I mean, I, I like this pick a lot. Okay. Yeah, I do too. The arm is awesome. I really like it. Everything I've seen from this guy is really nice. He's, like you said, the change-ups. I, I have agreed it as a future 70, honestly. like I think this is probably one of the better changes from the class and definitely on the prep circuit. It, it's definitely his best pitch, and it's going to be a wipeout pitch in the, in the future. It's versus righties, versus lefties. He'll throw it in any count. He'll command it. He'll command that fastball changeup in any count. He'll get strikeouts with it. He'll he'll get uh, he'll get ground balls all game with it. It's he's a really fun pitcher to watch. And I've mentioned on the earlier, the Royals are just really good with pitchers. So I definitely have faith in it. Nice. Well, I hope he pans out. The next pitch, the Royals continue their seesaw. This time going back to the batter's box, and they grab a power outfielder from Alabama, Tyler Gentry. The power is obvious in his uh, career as a Crimson Tide. He had a six a six hundred slugging percentage. But how's the rest of his game? He's a he's a fun player, like you said. He 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 had some loud uh some loud stats at, the, at uh, Alabama, but his his swing's pretty smooth. I definitely think he can play. He's got he's got some pretty consistent uh, consistent grades across the board. I have a fifty five hit, forty five maybe 50, 50 future power, uh, forty five run, fifty five arm, fifty five uh, defense out there and right. Might have to go out to left, but I definitely think he has a chance to go there and right. He's a pretty good athlete. Pretty very strong mechanically, like overall, just in defense and in the box. I really like him overall. Just just a very sound player. Um, has a nice frame, some decent raw power to work with. Play discipline can get erratic at times. Start swinging out of his shoes here and there, just trying to I don't know tap into some raw power that he has or whatever. But he's really he's really strong, and I think he has some good potential. He was just absolutely on fire to start the season. He was killing it the previous seasons, but. He was on a tear to start the season. Uh, start the season this year at 17 games. I think he was hitting 425 or 429 with a 554 on base percentage with four homers and uh, 10 walks and 10 steals. So he's got a nice little profile overall. I definitely like it. There's not too much refining needed in his game, which I like. Is more or less just needs time to develop um, his overall game and just kind of move through the ranks. But there's a there's a good floor here. It's not a huge ceiling, but uh, there's a there's a pretty good floor. Yeah, I think it's my turn to be the, the a little less optimistic guy on Gentry. The huge numbers that he put up this year, if you, if you look at the schedule, is a pretty weak schedule that he was going up against. Uh, he's definitely, he's got the above average raw power. He's kind of tapped it everywhere he's gone, but he's also struck out a lot everywhere he's gone. So he's got a really, really aggressive approach, uh, tends to chase. I'm a little bit worried about how that's going to play against a uh, kind of big league or uh, minor league and big league uh, velocity and breaking balls. As you said, I think the swing gives me some hope because it's a really clean kind of line drive swing that he, he taps his power naturally. He doesn't have to sell out for these home runs. I'm just just worried about the plate discipline. Out on the KP, actually, he struck out 43 times to 10 walks. Uh, last year at Alabama, he struck out 51 times to 19 walks. Uh, that was a little bit better this year, um, but again, against the weak schedule. I'd like to see him stay within himself a little bit in the batter's box. And I think if he does that, and I think if his pitch recognition improves a little bit, I think he could be a really fun player, kind of 20 to 25 homer bat for the Royals who can steal a few bases. He probably slowed down a little bit as he ages, but he's a good runner. 
I think he's an interesting one to watch. Uh, no, I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that because, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, what's the point of having power if you don't if you can't make contact with the ball? This is a guy I'm going to be looking for. If he can start making contact, then he's going to be something special. But l- let's move on. Uh, as the Royals continue their seesaw back and forth, they go back to the mound with the next pick, and they grab Christian Chamberlain in the fourth round. He's likely a reliever. I might be wrong on that. You guys might see him differently. Uh, he did start sporadically at Oregon State. He had a 12 strikeout per nine, and that gets me excited. He's got the stuff for sure, but can he stick as a starter? I'm not sold on him sticking as a starter, but I, I certainly think he's an interesting arm at the very least. Uh, he's a 5'10 lefty, so he's not a big guy at all, but he's got this really long arm action in the back, but it's, it's long, but it's smooth. So it, you're not really worried about the effort and delivery, just more the length, but the length in his delivery kind of makes the ball pop out of his hands really really interesting way it's tough for hitters to pick up because it starts way behind his back and then kind of explodes out of his hand all of a sudden it's like mid 90s or kind of up your low 90s usually but he's up to 95 and really that that arm angle also helps him get some really good helps his curveball play up uh, above it's kind of a 50 pitch on its own but it kind of plays as a 55 coming out of that arm slot and it's it's interest it's just an interesting pitcher to watch he's up to a strong start in uh, 2020, I think ultimately the command, you know, is average to a little bit below. Uh, not a, not as big of a guy, not as simple of a delivery. I wouldn't say not as clean because it's pretty clean. It's just not so simple. So I'm worried about his ability to repeat it consistently uh, at the major league level. But the Royals, as, as uh, Jake has, has pointed out, are really good at developing pitching. So I think if he goes into any organization, I think the Royals are a fantastic fit. So I wouldn't count him out as a starter, but I see him a little bit more as a reliever. Jake, I'm not sure if you see him a little differently. I don't think it really looks like a starter too much. He definitely has a chance, but it's, like you said, there's a small frame. Just there, There's some question marks, so I definitely see him as a reliever. So so you're saying the, the Royals have this incredible ability to develop pitchers. You're going to like this next guy, Will Klein, 6'5", with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He hit 100 in, I think, the Northwoods All-Star game. He, I think he sits... Uh, 97, 98 most of the time. He, he seems incredible. His fastball slides out at least. Does he have enough other things for the Royals to properly develop him? Well, I think they have enough to properly develop him. As a starter, probably not. But in terms of getting impact out of him, absolutely. He's kind of the opposite of Christian Chamberlain. We're talking about a five, Christian Chamberlain was a 5'10 lefty. This is a, a 6'5 righty, 6'5, 230, fastball up to 100. He consistently sits in those midnight in the mid 90s with that fastball mid to upper. The Eastern Illinois tried him out as a starter this year. He was more kind of low to mid 90s, which is still good velocity. And he's got a good solid curveball as well. But Ultimately, this stuff might be a little bit light to start. He's got kind of a jerky delivery, kind of explodes towards the plate. Uh, I, th- I just think it would work perfectly in relief. I mean, you've you got the power fastball, the power curve. He doesn't really have much of a changeup yet. You could kind of forget about that if you throw him in the bullpen um, and just kind of let him race towards the big leagues. The command's kind of mediocre, but it's not as big of a, of a question in the bullpen. Uh, and he's also not going to be 21 until November, so he's really young, kind of like Gage Workman that we talked about with the Tigers. He's like the age of a college sophomore. I think you got a really interesting relief prospect here. So I, I think Royal Spins are going to like him. Yeah, I just don't think he's a starter, especially in the system. So we seem pretty high on the pitchers. Maybe some of us are higher than others on the batters. But we know that it's going to be a, a system that we're definitely going to be looking forward to, to seeing how they progress. But I want to move on to one that I know you guys are dying to talk about. The Chicago White Sox had one of the more interesting drafts. They went potential. They went super high potential, big money up front. Uh, and they may have found a gym in day two, but we'll get to that in a bit. For now, let's dive in on their first pick, Garrett Crochet. We've got ourselves a big lefty with heat, a plus slider, uh, and, and just wild potential. 
he did have some shoulder issues, but picking at 11 overall, it doesn't seem like the Sox were deterred at all by that shoulder. How high should we be on, on Crochet? You should be extremely high on him. There's definitely some question marks, but yeah, the the one-two pitch uh, of the fastball slider is just nasty. It's fastballs up to nine, 93, 97, touched 100. Um, sliders 84, 86, really good bite, and it's honestly a true right out pitch. He can make lefties, righty swing. He has not the best command of his pitches, but it's work. It's it's coming a little bit. There's still a lot of refinements to kind of go through this through there. But there's some bullpen risk, especially with the White Sox this season. It's a little risky. I, I could definitely see them calling him up uh, in some type of playoff run, get some run in there. I'm pretty sure they did the same thing with uh, Chris Yale or Chris Sale yeah. back in the day when he was a rookie. So I could see it if he goes out there and just dominates. It wouldn't surprise me if he just kind of stuck out there as like a closer, which I don't think they're going to want, especially taking him at 11 overall, which I was probably not their hope. But I definitely see him coming up if needed, and he'll probably go back down to start the next year and work back as a starter and all. But yeah, he's got white pass stuff. And like I said, if he doesn't start work as a starter, he could be a pretty good closer from the left side. It's it's nice stuff. The changeup has potential to be a 40-45 pitch, and that's all he'll really honestly need if he can get it there, if he can just kind of land it consistently in the zone. The arm's really, really impressive, so you, you can't really knock the team for it, especially considering they got whoever one wanted with the next pick. Yeah, so. I think Crochet's a really, really interesting arm. I think at first glance, he looks like a reliever. I mean, this big gangly lefty up to 100 with the fastball slider thing, but I think the more you watch him play, I think the more starter traits he shows because he doesn't throw with a ton of effort. It's a little bit of an interesting delivery. You kind of get some interesting angle on it. But he doesn't throw with a ton of effort, and he repeats the delivery well. The fastball's up to 100. It's sat in the upper 90s for innings at a time. The slider, as you said, is a wipeout pitch. The change, I think there are, some scouts are a little more sold than others. Some scouts see it as an above-average pitch as well. Uh, and it's definitely trending in that direction at the very least, uh, which could give him a chance for three above average to plus pitches. In terms of the strike throwing ability, the control is ahead of the command, but he he's done it, especially for his size and the kind of the wide angle he gets with his arm. He he throws a lot of strikes. And aside from the, the shoulder issues that he had uh, kind of coming into the season that it looks like he worked his way back from and it looks like nobody has too many concerns about the the durability has been pretty good as well so the only thing is i mean he, he doesn't have a track record of starting which is a big issue but in terms of when he's on the mound there are no glaring things when you really look at him that are saying he's a reliever i i don't think there's any more reliever risk than kind of not i wouldn't say anybody else but a ton of upside which and that the White Sox are getting. But if it turns out he, he can't stick as a starter, I think he fits fantastic as a closer. Um, it's a really, really interesting arm to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see him progress. So Crochet seems like he's got that super high upside. And the White Sox followed the pickup with someone who some people, <laughs> some people thought this guy would go as the best pitcher in the class. I'm not saying he writes for prospects worldwide. I'm not saying his name is Danny Hacker. But... Jared Kelly gets drafted in the second round, and he fell uh, to 47 overall. Is it because he's a high school righty? Is there vulnerability here? I personally, when I watched him, it seems fluid, effortless. It's just a beauty to watch on the mound. Kelly looked great. Why did he fall here? And the White Sox are freaking ecstatic for getting him here, right? Oh, the White Sox have to be ecstatic for, for getting him here. I think he fell due to a combination of a couple of things you mentioned. Uh, the high school righty de- demographic is just extraordinarily risky, in addition to uh, being expensive. So risky and expensive, that's two strikes. A lot of teams like Betsco enable a little bit more, and that kind of took took away from his market. But he's a really interesting guy out of the small, tiny little Texas town of Refurio. I know there's a G in there, but it's pronounced Refurio. Trust me. I live in Texas. <laughs> um <laughs> 
it's the same town that gave us Nolan Ryan, this effortless mid nineties fastball. I mean, I've seen him. We, we talked about it at length during actually when we were talking about the Orioles, but he, uh, he just comes up and it looks like he's just playing catch. And all of a sudden you look at the radar gun and it says 98. It's, it's, kind of mind-boggling to watch this guy throw just the physicality is fantastic for a high school pitcher he's 6-3 he's built touches 98 with absolutely no effort uh, and he spots it really well um he, he can pitch to all four quadrants of the zone he mixes pitches really well he goes right after hitters and he has a really really good changeup for a high school pitcher um it's a plus pitch it's going to be a, a bat missing pitch for him in the big leagues the only question with him which kind of caused him to drop, I think, is, is a breaking ball. It's shown flashes of being an above average to maybe his best have been close to plus pitches, but more often than not, it's been kind of a fringy 45-50 offering. And at the top of the draft, if you're going to be spending the big bucks, you want to see that breaking ball. But the White Sox at 47, they'll pay him. It's going to cost a lot of money to get him from going to UT. It's a really, really interesting pitcher. Just it's it's old school, and I think that's an, yet another thing that caused him to drop. It's old. He's old school. A lot of teams are trending towards being new school, but the the arm strength and the physicality here are kind of off the charts. He's pretty fun to watch. He's a true workhorse pitcher, like you said. He's just up there on the mound, easy, and you look up, a hundred, hundred, ninety nine, ninety nine. It's it's pretty crazy to watch. Like has no max effort to it. And, like I said, he he has a workhorse potential. He could be starting pitcher 200 innings for multiple seasons. Obviously, the game is not really going that way anymore, but he had that potential, and I could I could see it. Obviously, it's going to be a few years away, but yeah, he's got a big body. It's just everything matches. It's, just, it's really nice to watch. It's, I love his changeup. I think it's obviously not as good as the fastball with how effective his fastball is, but in my opinion, like, like Zach said, the curveball, the slider, slurvy, whatever you want to call it, needs some help. Um, the changeup, though, has really nice fade. Really nice arm action off the fastball, and when you're throwing 100, especially in high school or really anywhere, if you have a nice changeup, it's going to be a nice combo. Like, especially with how well he, for the most part, can locate his fastball up in the zone, it gives hitters a lot of just vertical eye movement to kind of have to deal with. And when you're coming with 100, it's it's tough to kind of handle. But talking about the slurvy pitch, it's just like a low 80s pitch has some just some loop into it. I, I think it needs to find a way to kind of get more horizontal and be a true slider to kind of give him more or less that horizontal look to kind of give him that high fastball, low changeup, and then kind of give that sweeping uh, slider across the zone. I think that would give him a really nice kind of affecting effect on that pitch and more or less kind of turn into a wipeout pitch if he can find that feel for if it. If he can hone that slider and he sits 100 on his fastball with the plus changeup and the ability to go 200 innings, that's Verlander. No, I mean, I would say he would need another pitch or two to be that. But I like he has potential to be a true like three pitch workhorse more or less. And I mean, he's a high school pitcher. It wouldn't surprise me if he were to add another pitch in the future, whether it be maybe like a cutter or I don't know. Maybe he. I I, I don't think he could add two breaking balls since he hasn't mm-hmm. shown the best feel for it. I don't think he could be a slider curveball kind of guy. But I don't think he needs to either. I think he can definitely play with just three pitches and maybe. Maybe add like a two seam or something off of his fastball to kind of give him just a little bit more like movement and just some something else to give hitters a different look on. I'm just high on him. I wanted someone else to say that he was Verlander. I just wanted it to be on the record. So, so obviously, everyone's high on Jared Kelly. He's going to cost some money. So the next couple picks, the White Sox have to start saving money somehow. This next pick is Addison Coffee. 
And when he got drafted, even the great Jim Callis didn't remember this guy's name. He had to go scouring for a scouting report. He had to text his old buddies, tell me what you know about Addison Coffee. This is obviously a cost-saving move, but who is this guy? What This was so interesting to me because I remember kind of the summer showcase circuit in 2016. I was, I was kind of following the big names, and there was this kid uh, out of Delta High School in Indiana you know, just outside Muncie, Indiana, named Addison Coffee. But I really, I kind of fell in love with his swing. It was a really athletic, nice swing, good loft, good extension. It was just a, a, a kind of a fun kid that I was early in my draft analysis process. I wasn't really huge into it at that time. I was definitely into it, but I didn't, I, I, I would like to think I wasn't as smart as I am now. But I was just kind of an early favorite of mine. And then he kind of faded throughout the high school season. He, you know, ended up at Arizona State and just kind of fizzled out. I went from Arizona State to San Jack to, bounced over to now uh, uh, Wabash uh, Community College. I never thought I'd hear his name again. I, I kind of followed him just because I was interested. I never thought I'd hear his name again. Then I'm watching the draft, and all of a sudden, the White Sox select Addison Coffee, And I was like, holy crap. I never <laughs> thought I'd hear this name again. It, I, it, it was just a big shock to me. So they draft him as a pitcher. I'm like, that's weird also. Uh, you, you look into him. It's an, it's an interesting profile. He's kind of up to 96 with his fastball. It's a real power arm. Because it's 93, 96, probably a relief profile because he, you know, he's a little bit of a slider, flashes above average, but not really a consistent pitch at this point. Not much of a changeup. He's, it's, it, they're really buying the arm strength here, but they actually plan to use him as a two, uh, as a two way player in the minors. They, they've already said that they're going to let him play the infield as well. Some power projection. Uh, as I said, I like the swing, or at least I liked it four years ago. I'm really interested to see how this one plays out. It's a money saving move first, but we got a two way player here. Well, I'm glad that you knew about him because <laughs> not many people in this world did. Uh, but so the the next very next pick continues to be cost saving. In fact, this kid signed for ten thousand dollars with the slot value of five hundred seventeen thousand. His name's Cade Meckles. All I know about him is a recent Tommy John. Uh, he got drafted by the Marlins last year, so he I guess he was a known entity. But again. Tell me about him. Who, who is he? So he's a Grand Canyon University, uh, redshirt junior. Kind of got average stuff across the board. 5'11 righty is fastball, sits around 90. It's been up to 92. So, you know, kind of fringy velocity. Uh, throws curveball, slider, changeup, all of which, you know, are solid. The curve is, you know, good depth. Um, not a whole ton of power. The slider is a little bit, it's a little, it's a little more lateral. You know, not a true swing and miss pitch. The changeup is probably his best pitch. Gets uh, good fade down in the zone. And overall, he throws strikes. So it's, it's an interesting kind of number five starter profile, maybe long reliever profile. I, I don't – it's it's obviously a cost-saving move first and foremost, and then he's got to go get Tommy John, and the rehab will probably cost more than the signing bonus. But I, I think it's interesting. He's got, you know, full arsenal. It, it's, yeah, it's just kind of an average – your average pitcher, more or less, except he's a little short. Okay. I mean, if you get an average pitcher while also saving money, that's good. So they did two pure cost-saving moves with Coffee and Meckles. And then they draft the next guy, Bailey Horn. At first glance, I was like, okay, third cost-saving move, save some money for Kelly. And, and then I looked into him a little bit more. He, he seemed like he has some legitimate stuff. He can play in the big leagues. Uh, is this more than a cost-saving move? I think he's a little older. He's 22, so there still actually might be some cost-saving involved in this. But this guy seems like he can play. Yeah, he had Tommy John in 2019, so came in 2020 prepared, ready to work, um, improved his draft stock. Um, showed the White Sox 
I guess, enough to draft him in the fifth round. He's got a four-pitch four mix, fastball, curveball, slider, change. In my opinion, the slider is the best pitch. Fastball is working about 90-92, not too overpowering, touching 94. I don't have the numbers on it. I've heard the spin rates are above average. It shows it for the most part, though, because he gets a lot of swing and misses out in the, uh, up in the zone, even though he's working in the low 90s, so it would make sense that he's got a high spin. The slider, like going back to the best pitch, is just a low low 80s offering, but it's a pretty good pretty good break to it. It's not anything like 60 plus grade or anything, but I give it a 55. Maybe it's, it's maybe pushing a 60 on his best days, but the curveball is honestly, in my opinion, probably his worst pitch. Um, I don't really like it at all, honestly. I think it's more or less just like a. I don't really know what to say. It's more or less just like a get me over or just. Here, don't hit my fastball. Try to hit this in a way. He's got a chance to work as like a fifth starter. Not a ton of upside, a little bit of upside there. But I mean, as a fifth round pick and probably an under slot signing, it's not the worst pick. I definitely am a relative fan of it. Not overly hyped, but he's got a chance to kind of carve out a little role for himself. Yeah, I kind of see him a little bit as like a poor man's Jake Eater almost uh, in that he's, he's been very inconsistent. He's flashed that plus plus stuff like you talk about, but then there are days when it's not really there. Uh, he's got a pretty clean delivery, but he has trouble repeating it. So I don't know. It's kind of a, a little bit of upside, but as you said, not a whole lot. It's more, more of a money saving pick, but with the fastball and the slider, I think you're, you're looking at two kind of pieces that if you can iron them out a little bit, get him a little more consistent, you got something to work with there. And if not, I think he could play well in the bullpen. But yeah, I think otherwise I'm, I'm I'm with you on Horn. Well, if you recall, Jake Eater was the poor man's Ace Lacy, which means Bailey Horn is the poor man's poor man's Ace Lacy. We got ourselves a steal here, guys. <laughs> Easily a steal. <laughs> well, I want to move on. That that's it for the White Sox draft. Uh, very top heavy and and pretty much all in on two pitchers. Uh, we'll see how the rest of them work out. If any of the three work out, oh, that's even better for the White Sox. But let's move our focus over to Cleveland. They start off taking this, the steady, all-around prep shortstop, Carson Tucker. He seemed to be a pretty fast riser up the boards in the weeks leading up to the draft. What made Cleveland fall in love with this guy? This year, he took a big step forward, honestly. Not even just with his game, just his body. He grew like three inches over the summer. He added, I think, like 15 or 20 pounds of muscle. Maybe not all muscle, but he added a lot of bulk to his frame. So his stool started to kind of pop and more or less show in the game rather than just see on seat on paper i think it started kind of rising up draft boards as teams kind of saw that they didn't get to really see it in action too much this year with obviously the season getting cut short but i think some teams kind of took that on notice and uh wanted to kind of look into him as a first round pick and the indians obviously considered it he's his brother of a pirate shortstop colt tucker so he's got some bloodlines in the league i think he's honestly better than his brother the tools are nice at shortstop he's definitely got a Easy chance to take there, I think. He's got quick feet, strong, balanced arm, accurate throws. Um, he's got a little bit of an opposite field approach, more or less. He's trying to just hit the ball the opposite field, not really tap into power. I think it's kind of comes down to more or less him not really realizing his new strength and just not understanding how to use it. Like He's not really trying to turn on too many balls. He's, like I said, he's just trying to hit the ball the other way. Once he kind of learns how to do that, I think the power has a chance to kind of show up in game it just hasn't done a ton yet but uh it's a little bit of a handsy swing he's got really good bat speed though a little bit of a natural loft he starts with a high back elbow but if he eliminates just a little bit of movements in his pre-pitch swing and during his load he'll have a little bit better of a chance to kind of line balls in the inner half and stuff but 
yeah, I, I definitely like the pick. It's a little bit risky, but for what they were able to get with their next pick, I think it definitely made sense and probably helped them get to that. Yeah, I think a lot of Indians fans probably saw the Tucker selection immediately went up on YouTube and watched some video and were a little confused because all the video that's online is from is from the summer. And back then he was this 5'11 skinny kid with a, with a good approach, good feel for the game, who's kind of peppering line drives around the field. And what, what you're not seeing from that video is that as – as Jake said, he grew three inches, and now all of a sudden he's like the 6'2 athlete who came up and still retains that good feel for the game. But now all of a sudden, instead of pepper and line drives around, it's like these screaming gappers, and all of a sudden you got yourself a legitimate hitter. Uh, and as Jake said, once he starts to realize that he's now kind of, he, he's not going to be a power hitter, but now he can really he can turn on some pitches and he can drive some balls if he really wants to, um, this is going to be a guy who's going to turn into maybe a 15 to 20 home run bat. Whereas it it maybe didn't look like that at all over the summer, so it, it's a guy who's a, a completely new player, and you combine that feel for the game with the the improved physicality. I, I think it's a really it's a very on brand pick for the Indians. First off, I mean, I think all six of these selections are perfectly on brand for the Indians. But this, yeah, so he'll he'll hit. I think he's going to be a, just a good all around player who's trending up. And I think the Indians saw that he was going to be a guy we talk about with every guy if he had a full season, but I think the Indians saw that that was legit in this case. If he had a full season, he would have been a top 20 pick and they nabbed him at 23. And I think they were happy to do so. Yeah. I like Tucker. I like him a lot. Um, so adding on to Tucker, it looks like they hit another home run next with first round talent, Tanner Burns came out of Auburn he was a workhorse there with a three-pitch mix. It, it, it seems like he's relatively major league ready. He could spend a couple years developing, but he's going to be a pro pretty quickly. Probably a low ceiling, though. So, uh, what do you think? I, I'm seeing like a fourth inning, or a fourth starter, inning eater type player. Is he more special than that? Am I just underselling him? I think I probably see a little bit more in that. Maybe I mean I don't see a high ceiling by any means, but I think I think you're getting yourself an impact starting pitcher here. It's interesting because pitchers, you know, never develop like you think they're going to pitch is the most unpredictable creatures but Tanner Burns for the most part has developed kind of in a straight line like exactly what we thought was going to happen and that led to him he was a kind of a top 50 draft prospect coming out of Decatur High School in Alabama goes to Auburn again top 50 draft prospect he just kind of he, he we knew him as a, a pitch ability guy in high school power arm comes in steps into the uh, Auburn rotation from day one and from day one, he's performed. He's a uh, career at Auburn, 14-9, 286 ERA. Just c- continuously gone out and shoved against SEC teams all around. Just a really consistent performer. And that's his best attribute. But it's also he's not just a performer. He's got a fastball up to 97. Sets kind of low to mid-90s. Good, good power curve that he can locate to both sides of the plate. Uh, adds in a changeup. It's probably a little bit behind the fastball and curveball, but it's there. Um, and he maintains, maintains that velocity throughout his starts, which I think makes it makes you a little worried a little less about the fact that he's a smaller guy he's six feet tall he's got a really strong lower half and aside from some minor shoulder problems that he had at the end of last season that he kind of did away with this year there's not really any durability questions for him it's a really kind of just clean profile the guy is going to come up fastball curveball soon to be change kind of guy and just deliver results day in day out probably i peg a number three starter on him i think He's developed in a straight line so far. Why not continue to do so? Yeah, I like him for sure. He's a good pitcher. With what I'm probably going to say, you might not exactly think that, but don't get it wrong. I definitely think he's going to stick as a starter and be good. But there were just some some concerns. A lot of people uh, in the SEC were just kind of talking. His stuff gets 
kind of flat at the uh, as the season kind of progresses, less crisp, and just um, they have some questions with his stocky frame, and he's obviously not an imposing figure out there. I think he's about like six foot, a um, little bit stocky, but some have some questions about his um, ability to kind of hold up over a full season. I definitely think he can last. Um, like I, I definitely agree, he's not really a super high upside pitcher, but he's definitely going to be in a rotation and. Given the Indians, like they're, in my opinion, even better than the Royals, they're probably the best team at developing pitchers, other than maybe the Rays. But yeah, like I love when a pitcher goes here. I just, if they have a lot of any concerns, I more or less can see the Indians kind of carving that out for them and figuring it out. More or less, just with the endurance, it might just be he needs to get on a little bit bigger work pro- or workout program. I don't know if there's something there, they'll figure it out. Okay. Well, if the Indians can do that proper development from with him. He, they might be able to do it with this next guy. Uh, we got Logan Allen. They already have Florida Logan Allen, next. though. <laughs> I knew that joke was going to happen. <laughs> it's not just the name. They got. They already have the left-handed pitcher, Logan Allen, from the state of Florida, who's mainly a fastball changeup guy. Oh, they got the same middle name. It's the, they have the exact same They got same the same profile. everything. They're the same person, I'm convinced. Yeah, just one of them has a mustache and sunglasses, He'll and the other one it. doesn't. This is perfect. This is... This is the uh, oh gosh, old old coach for the Red Sox. Why am I not thinking of it? Valentine, Bobby Valentine. Bobby Valentine. Yeah, <laughs> it's that situation all over again. Well, <laughs> this is a different Logan Allen, but you can compare him if you like. Uh, I see a low nineties fastball with a plus changeup. I don't see a lot of projection. Indians might be a good a good spot for him because they might be able to help him get to that development. But is he just like a long reliever? Is there something, again, that I'm not seeing? I would not bet against this guy. And I think he's just performed everywhere he's gone. I think it's it's a lot like Tanner Burns. The, it, as, as I said, the Indians stayed on brand here. They love the college performers, uh, at least on the mound. And Allen, he, he only kind of sits low 90s, you know, 91, 92, maybe bump as high as 94 on his best days so it's not a ton of velocity but he's he's really performed literally everywhere he's gone he's he's kind of shoved at FIU he shoved on the cape um and it's just it's a testament at some point when a guy shows you who they are you just got to believe and this is a good pitcher it's fastball changeup guy the changeup is you know a plus pitch comes in with that kind of last second tail it comes in and then just at the last second it dives out of the way it's it's a really tough pitch to square up and then with that fastball even though he doesn't have a ton of velocity on it he's got plus command so he can really tunnel those pitches together and you don't know what's coming even though the fastball is not that overpowering pitch he's got a curve uh, it's kind of a two-plane curve that kind of dives across the plate it's got nice shape but he hasn't tightened it up a whole lot yet. It's more loopy. So it's got good depth, but big league hitters can kind of sit on it unless he unless he uh, tightens it up a little bit. But with the way this guy goes after hitters, you you can't you really shouldn't bet against him. He pitches uh, with a ton of confidence, locates his pitches really well. If he tightens up that curve, that gives him three above average pitches. And he's also he's not gonna be a two way player, but he was also a good hitter at FIU. He's career two ninety seven hitter with six home runs. I think it's just a fun guy to watch, even if there's not a ton of projection. In case you haven't noticed, I think a lot of these guys are fun to watch. I like baseball. <laughs> Don't tip me with two-way guys. You know how he's, I feel about he's two-way not gonna, players. I want them in the bigs. Addison Coffey's our two-way player. Logan Allen won't be. <laughs> but it's a guy who's going to constantly he, – he's constantly outplayed kind of projections, and he's going to continue to do so. Okay. Well, so the next pick, I, I'm going back on the, on the bandwagon. Of, I really like this pick. Uh, I might not have been in love with the previous two, but I really like this guy, P.D. Halpin. P.D. Halpin, sorry. 
prep outfielder from California. He kind of seems like a Portman's Pete Crow Armstrong. Am I seeing things there when I say that? He's all around good, not bad at anything. Um, I don't see that many severe weaknesses, but also no kind of wild over-the-top strengths. Maybe like a fourth outfielder, if he improves a couple things, he might be able to be better. That's good value here. If he improves, that's even better. Yeah, I, I like Petey. I, I got to saw him being a local kid. He's only about 45 minutes up the road from me. So he's fun to watch. He just transferred, I think, to Miracosta just for his senior year. Like I said, he's fun to watch. He's got some good tools. I, I don't know if he's exactly comparable to P. Uh, Crow Armstrong, but I mean, they're they're not terribly different players. There's not, like you said, there's just not as much upside here. The hit tool has a chance to be better than Pete, but probably, probably going to be around the similar or slightly worse. Pete's a little faster, a little, oh, not little. He's a he's, he's about a 70-grade fielder. I give PD about 60-grade. PD's arms a little kind of fringier. I trust PD, uh, Pete Crow out there more. There's too much PD going on right now. But, I mean, I did say I did say he was a poor man's PCA. So everything PCA does, just take 10 off the, scout, the scouting scale, and you got PD. No, because I, I, I don't think so. I, I think... They're like I said, they're, they're comparable in the hit column. They're comparable in the power. Like I, I don't think uh, either one really show that much power. It's just more or less. I think P. Crow just has a little bit more um, defense out there and just a much higher floor, due to it, and okay. and more upside because I think he has more power potential than um, P. D. But I mean, I guess you can say it if you want to. If you really want me to say it, you can kind of compare it. But I don't. <laughs> I don't personally. I'll, I'll, I'll own this one. <laughs> I'll own this one. You don't have to say it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he shows some ability to drive the ball in the gaps in, uh, in BP. I just don't see the power coming long term. Maybe about a 40 at best. But yeah, I like the pick. What would I use that? I think I could. Yeah, I like the pick too. Um, I'd compare him a little bit more to another Southern California prep outfit. I think he's more similar to Isaiah Green than he is to that, yeah. PCA. Not quite the speed that Green shows. But, I mean, but we loved Isaiah Green. Oh, I love Isaiah yeah, Green. Great. I mean, we can, And I love Pete Crow Armstrong as well. Uh, I like Halpin. I think he's, a, he's got a light, nice, loose, quick swing from the left side, some loft, uh, not a ton of present power. He might be able to add some if he bulks up a little bit, but I wouldn't be sold on that. I think he might remain kind of a fringy power guy, maybe 10 to 15 homer guy in the bigs. Good defender. The uh, the arm strength can be plus at times, can handle all three positions. Um, if he bulks up a little bit to add that power, he might have to move, move off of center field. But overall, I think you're looking at a guy who does a lot of things well, a guy who's trending up kind of throughout the, the draft cycle. So you're buying the trajectory as well. And again, the, when it comes to the prep side, the Indians love hit tools and they love youth and they love up the middle guys. And P.D. Halpin is all three of those because he, he just turned eight, uh, 18 in May. So he's perfectly on brand Indians pick, uh, does a lot of things well. Should be interesting to see nice. what direction they go with his development. If they try to make him more of a power header, if they just let him kind of let the speed play and let him stick with a stick as a contact guy. Okay. Well, if we stay in the California prep ranks, we can see the next pick. Cleveland selects Milan Tolentino. Uh, my nice Italian accent right there. This guy has been starting uh, at shortstop for Team USA in the U18, and he's got plenty of room to grow. It looks like he's got good instincts. He can put the bat on the ball, recognize pitches well. What's the limit for Milan? If he's Team USA and he does all these things, that's good. Yeah, he's a good little player. Another Southern California kid that I was able to saw a few times. But the bats, I think the problem, it's not a terrible bat. Um, It's just not going to grow, I don't think, very well. He's he's a defensive first guy, no doubt. Um, Definitely was to get shortstop. He's got the glove, the tools, the arm, the feet, quick transfer. Everything you look for in a shortstop, more or less, he's got it. 
like I said, the bat's a little bit, little bit of question marks. He's more of a slap hitter. Halpin, I would say, is right now he's kind of a slap hitter, but um, he has some trouble with this higher velocity up in the zone or on the inner half a little bit. More so on the inner half, upper zone. He can kind of get his hands on top sometimes, but he still lacks and kind of chases a little bit up there. But like I said, he lacks the power and really just much projection with it just due to his approach and he's got some decent size to him i think he's i think he's six foot one if i remember correctly so it's not like he's the smallest guy it's just he's not really geared towards that power approach he's more just trying to slap the ball around and i've, I've noticed a lot he's just kind of more or less just running out of the box he's not really finishing his swings with extension or anything he's more or less just trying to get the ball in play and be out of the left hander's batter's box before he can more or less just even make contact so that just right there kind of tells me he's not really looking to drive the ball in the gap or out the yard or anything, just trying to find his way on base and kind of move runners along or just kind of be that team player more or less. But there's a little bit of projection here. I just, I don't see the bat really carving out too great. It could maybe work into about a 45 bat, but there's, like I said, there's not going to be much power. I have it at a 30 power right now. Yeah, I think I see this more as a utility play going forward, but he's an interesting guy who's, you know, got a lot of really good feel for the game, grew up around the game. His dad is, I believe, a coach, I believe, Jose Tolentino, but Milan is the kind of guy that a lot of evaluators wanted to see him follow through to UCLA and kind of put three years in in the Pac-12 of performance, and then they'd feel more comfortable like this guy's going to hit. Uh, the Indians, I think, believe strongly that that would happen, so they're heading that off early by taking him here. Another guy on brand up the middle, kid with a good hit tool. They love to take those guys. Um, again, yeah, as, as you said, Jake, I don't need to harp on it, but there's not a ton of power here. Just more of a kind of all-fields approach, just kind of put the bat on the ball and see what happens. Doesn't have the great speed to make that into a true weapon, so he's going to need to hit for a little more impact. That glove will buy the bat all sorts of time. And Okay. Well, so for the last pick Cleveland had, uh, they ended up taking pitcher Mason Hickman from Vanderbilt. And this guy is interesting. He's a huge kid, 6'6", 220. But even in that massive frame, his fastball is only like 90 miles an hour. Even then, somehow he has good enough stuff to produce. Last year, he was 9-0 and with a 2 ERA. And this year, uh, in a limited sample size, he had a .5 ERA in a couple games. That's still great. <laughs> how, how is he putting these numbers together with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and not a lot of crazy peripherals so i was hoping you'd mention the sec when you said that because it's an interesting thing over the last two years he's 11 and 0 179 era pitching and he pitches for vanderbilt so against an sec schedule right how yeah. many innings do you think he threw in sec competition the last two years combined Ooh, zach silverman coming in with the game logs i do not take know. a guess uh two <laughs> so out of his out of his 115.1 innings over the last two seasons in which he's put up these fantastic numbers Four of them came in. Oh, I was not far off. <laughs> That's a good guess. Four innings. So we talk about these great numbers in the SEC, but he really, he's there. He was Vanderbilt's Tuesday starter. So he, he actually didn't face any SEC competition really at all. Now he faced some good competition in the, uh, in the tournament at the end of last season. He performed pretty well against, against those guys like Michigan and Louisville. But it's an interesting pick. He's, as you said, this not crazy great stuff. Even though he's six foot six, he's a, uh, Got a, you know that twelve six curve, not a ton of power, but you know good depth. You know decent change, decent slider. The, right here, what you're buying is kind of the plus command. He really spots his pitch as well uh, as a six six guy. Gets good extension, kind of places the ball in the catcher's mitt wherever he wants to. I'm a little bit worried as to how the stuff is going to play at the higher levels. I think he's going to need to just add a little more crispness to that stuff. Um, not in love with the pick, but. 
I think when you got a guy who spots his pitches so well, and I don't know, it's, it's an interesting guy. I think he's probably a reliever, probably a long relief type of guy. Maybe you take the, maybe you stick him in the bullpen and he bumps his fastball up to 93, 94, picks one off speed pitch to focus on and just locates those two. He's a good competitor, but not, not a ton of upside here. Hmm. He reminds me not more or less for the profile, just more or less what could happen um, coming to the Indians and all. It just reminds me a little bit of what happened with um, a pitcher they took out of Santa Barbara a few years ago named by uh, Shaden Bieber. He was throwing about relatively similar low 90s and four years down the line, you got a guy touching 95, 96 with plus stuff all around and don't sleep on this guy because the Indians do really well with these kind of guys, guys with really good command and just good pitch ability more or less they can find a way to make part of your game pop out and make you very successful so it wouldn't really shock me if this guy turned into something but i more or less agree with zach he's an iffy pick but i i, I was actually surprised to hear that stat too about the sec it was pretty shocking only four ratings that's that's definitely something but um that's a really good point you made about uh bieber and the indians i, I think you're right if there's any organization that he's a fit in i think it's the indians absolutely that's a good point you heard it here first mason hickman is going to be the new Shane Bieber and be a fantasy baseball darling, strikeout king. We're calling it. Jake, you got to own this one. <laughs> he, in, in, in 2024, number one overall pick in fantasy baseball, Mason Hickman. Go. All right, moving on <laughs> to last year's top team in the AL Central. We have the Minnesota Twins. I'm a big fan of this draft because they didn't have a lot of work, a lot to work with in terms of draft capital. But they made the best of it with some fairly interesting pieces, each with some flashes of brilliance. The first guy off the board was twin for the Twins was uh, UNC first baseman Aaron Sabato. He's a righty first baseman, and this kid kind of fits the form of that prototypical twin. Big power, loads of upside. We, we're talking Miguel Sano, Brent Roker, last year's first rounder, Keone Cavaco, Matt Walner. It, this farm system is full of this profile. But Jake, his power is ready. How long will it take for the other tools to be MLB caliber? I don't know if they'll ever be MLB caliber if you're getting towards like league average-esque. I don't really think they'll be maybe the hit tool, if anything. But he's definitely not going to ever see the run tool there. The arm's not. It's it's the first base and arm for the most part. It's nothing great. The defense is spotty. It's not horrible. It's not good. It's just there. The power's going to play regardless. Like you said, it's a typical Twins pick, and it it's a honestly a perfect fit for him and the organization he's just going to be needed to go out there and just hit some homers and they don't really care what happens after that sure. but yeah like I, I have a 70 power on him right now with his he's got really plus bat speed generates a lot of power through his lower thick half and gets a lot of hip recoil his hands and his head stay really quiet he's got a high back elbow helps him generate a lot of uh, just natural loft in his swing he swings really really hard and he's got um, a lot of power to just all the all fields he drives the ball the right field Almost as well as it does the pole. Obviously not as well, but he still drives it really well to the opposite field. Like I said, in the, in the field, he's just got a below average range. Just left to right is not the most mobile guy. He's more or less just going to take the balls that are at him. And if it's not right at him, step to his right. He's going to get to the bag and force that second baseman to kind of cover a lot of ground. So you're going to want a second baseman that can kind of make that play in the hold because he's not going to give you that. And that will add up over time with singles and stuff. But he's got decent hands. He can, he can pick a little bit at first, so... I don't, I don't mind the pick. I mean, yeah, it's a first baseman only. It's a power bat, right hand only profile. It's nothing too happy to be joyful about, but it's a twins pick. 
He's a good bat. The bat's not going to be anything rough. It's going to play, so I like it. Aaron, Aaron Sabato, I find him to be a really interesting bat because I think more than any other power hitter in this class, I mean, I think you're just talking like power from brute strength. Like this, this guy is like built like a gorilla and he's going to come up and when he swings, he'll turn a baseball into powder <laughs> with how hard he hits the ball. Um, it, It's really kind of crazy raw power. He's just raked at UNC after not being a huge prospect coming out of high school kind of in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. And it was interesting, his progression as a hitter, because he raked as a freshman. He's a draft-eligible sophomore this year. He comes in, and pitchers were obviously a little more wary of him. They didn't pitch to him, give him more breaking stuff. And he hit 188 in his first nine games. He looked a little lost at the plate. But he's been noted to be, of the, even if the hit tool is maybe a 45-50 right now, he's been noted to be a, a student of the game with a high baseball IQ, the kind of guy who studies pitchers and learns from his mistakes. And he started to heat up as the season went along. And in his last six games of the season, he walked 12 times and hit six home runs. So he obviously did something to kind of change up his approach and understand how pitchers were hitting, pitching to him and use that to his advantage. So I I believe in the hit tool, uh, mostly based off the fact that this guy understands the art of hitting and what he doesn't understand, he's going to work to learn more about Uh, the defense. You know, it's, he's probably a DH. But you're buying the bat here, and I believe in the bat. And I think you're going to see a guy who's going to hit for decent, solid on-base percentages, but a lot of home runs, and it's going to fit perfectly in that Twins lineup. Nice. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. So I want to move on. And for some reason, I'm absolutely enamored by this next pick, uh, Alaric Suleri. And I might have just said that incorrectly. But looking at the stats at Tennessee, my first thought was he's an OBP machine. He gets on base. But looking further... He was kind of an everything machine through his years at Tennessee and at Juco uh, San Jacinto, which we talked about last time. uh, His stat line was roughly 350, 475, 600. And that's against quality competition. His bat seems to be legitimate in my eyes. Maybe not as much power, but the the bat's still there. So I ask you, Jake, is he as good as I'm thinking? Does he have a position that he can actually play? Am I just too high on him? Um, No, I I like him. I I think there's... A little bit of question marks, but he's got, like you said, he's got a good bat. The power, as you said, is not super strong, but it's definitely there. It definitely exists. He's got a really good understanding of the strike zone, takes walks. He doesn't really sacrifice um, power for contact. He'll more or less just look for look for hard, solid contact in places. He's not looking to drive the ball out of the park too often. It's more or less like a uh, like guy we touched on earlier, uh, Tyler Gentry from the Royals. He's kind of more like that, that approach, a little more powerful swing but more or less the same approach um i think he's definitely got a chance to stick as a hitter and probably going to be a left fielder more or less i don't think he's going to be a center fielder he's probably gonna have to find some more defensive ability or something because he doesn't really have the speed to play out there he's got decent speed but um i think he'll more or less profile uh, as a left fielder with about a 55 hit tool maybe 45 power if he pushes a little bit on it but his approach with what i've seen he um He's got a really nice compact stance, and then he's got a long stride, which is a little iffy at times. It kind of gets him out on front, uh, on the front foot, and jumping on some breaking balls. But he does a pretty good job of keeping his hands back. He's got a high, another high back elbow that just kind of helps with his load, but gives him a little bit of natural loft. But yeah, with two strikes, something I've noticed with him, which is kind of interesting, and not a lot of hitters do anymore. It's like, especially in today's game, everyone's just 
one strike, two strikes, you're looking for a power swing. You're not looking to shorten up more or less. Most hitters are just looking to drive the ball in every count. But him, he takes a completely different approach. He lengthens his stance a lot um, with two strikes. He'll more or less just not stride. He kind of just does a little like pivot a little baby toe tap if anything but more or less just like a little pivot and just shortens up and just tries to make contact sacrificing like i said more power just with two strikes just trying to make contact and put his uh, good bat the ball skills to play so i like the approach overall i think it's it's a professional approach more or less and i think he's gonna stick the defense like i said is it's not great it's not bad it's about a 40 45 so i think he's a left fielder yeah but i like the pick a lot there's some good potential here hmm. I think if you think his name is hard to pronounce, Delaric Solari, uh, look at, you got to take a look at his hometown, Atascacita. Jeez. Delaric um, <laughs> Solari from Atascacita. Try to say that five times fast. I will not. You couldn't say it <laughs> once, so I don't want to say it's five. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's interesting you compared him to Tyler Gentry. I think like with Tyler Gentry, you, you might be a little higher on him than I am. Uh, he gives me it gives me some tweener vibes in that he might not. I mean, with the kind of so-so defense, I don't think he'll hit quite enough. Uh, he raked as a sophomore at um, Tennessee, but I think over the last calendar year, he's been a little more up and down with the bat. He wasn't particularly impressive on the Cape. This year, he was kind of up and down again. He showed some flashes of power. It's an in- interesting line drive bat that when he's hot, I think he shows a good approach, shows a good line drive bat, makes consistent contact and taps some power. But I think when he's not so hot, uh, sometimes he can get lost at the plate a little bit. The interesting guy, he's also young for the class. He doesn't turn 21 until July, so he's got some extra time. I think if you flip the flip the script a little bit and said he was an old for the class uh, hitter in the 2021 draft and he had another year of SEC, we might be talking about him as a higher pick. So it, it's an interesting thing, especially with these younger guys. But I, I kind of see a ceiling of you know 20 home runs a year, solid on base percentages, more likely probably a fourth outfielder. We'll we'll see how he goes forward. I think if the Twins can kind of smooth him out and get him more consistent, they can be looking at a, a good value here. I'm glad you actually mentioned uh, the Cape Cod League. I hadn't seen his stats from the Cape, and I just looked it up, and what a stark difference. He batted 200, 300, 350, and just such a difference when you when you have the wood bat in your hand against quality competition in the Cape. Uh, that's interesting. That, that's going to be something I need to keep an eye on because I absolutely love this kid, and now I'm, I'm starting to get worried. Yeah, don't, don't get turned up. I just – I mean, obviously the Cape is – one of the better performances and what you want to definitely see him perform. But like, like Zach said, it was only nine games, but obviously you want to see performance, but only nine games. So take it with a grain of salt, but it is there. Okay. All-star calling it. All right. <laughs> the, now I will say the next guy I was a little iffy on. We've got Marco Raya. He's a smaller prep pitcher coming out of Texas, only like 5'11", 165. Uh, but he managed to get so much out of that frame. One tweet that I saw, and I, and I hate that I can't find who, who tweeted this. I'll try to put it in the notes later. Uh, said he was sitting 2,800 RPM on a slider and 2,700 RPM on his fastball. And that's MLB elite. Conservatively, I saw similar tweets that were like 2,400. But either way, those are top, top numbers. Does he have what it takes when it comes to size and durability to, to actually make it in the majors? This is a fascinating pick. I think, first off, I think I, I noticed his directions to drive to target field to be pretty simple. He just hops on Interstate 35, drives 2,000 miles, and makes a right. Not bad. Uh, <laughs> they're on opposite side, opposite ends of one of the longest roads in America. If Twins fans wondering what's on the other side of 35, they're probably not, but I love geography, so I had to throw that in. Um, That's great. But you're right, you're right on him. He's a, he's a smaller guy, not very physical at all, but his ability to speak to spin the ball makes him a really fascinating prospect. The fact the, the curve and the slider, he can manipulate kind of between them. 
they, they kind of blend into each other sometimes at this point, but I think as he gets older, it's going to become that thing where he can almost work them on a spectrum kind of at will. Just he has such solid feel to spin those breaking balls with the fastball. You're talking low nineties, which isn't a ton of velocity, but it's more than enough at this age. The physicality I think is definitely something to be a little worried about. Just he hasn't had any problems so far, but he's also, you know, only 17 years old. He doesn't turn 18 until August. We'll have to see kind of how he holds up over a longer season. I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm not sold on his ability to stick as a starter, but based on his ability to have potential, three potentially plus pitches, and the change it shows some promise as well. He's got some good fade on that pitch too. So if he could refine that and give himself four, four pitches, especially in the days where starting pitchers are going shorter and shorter, he seems like the kind of guy that could thrive with an opener. Um, I think there's going to be more in down the line. You have an opener throw one or two innings, and he only has to go four or five. I think he could really thrive in that role if you're limiting him to 120 innings a year instead of 180. But maybe you know, maybe he has a growth spurt and he turns into a an impact starting pitcher, and the Twins look like geniuses. It's it's an interesting pick, and I've said that a lot. I'm interested in the draft. Sure. Yeah, like you guys have both said, it's a small frame, but he uses it all. I think it's just six foot 160. So um, there's not a ton of like big projection there but he's definitely gonna put on some weight i just don't know how much weight i don't think he'll ever be a 200 pound guy he's probably gonna level out about 185 he's gonna always be a lean kid but yeah he gets really good extension towards the plate and dries off his black leg really well potential to grow in more velocity without his strength maybe touching about 94 96 consistently but probably not gonna see too much after that but with what he does with his legs and lower half he definitely has more coming yeah um the fastball like like you were saying has about I've, I've seen the 2800 too. It's, I haven't seen it too often as much as I've seen about 2500, 2600 on it, which is still really good. It's still still above average major league stuff for sure. And then the slider, I've seen about what you said, about 2800. I've seen it touch 3000 in bullpens. It's, I've never seen it in a game, but I have seen in bullpens where it's registered about 3000. And it was, I think the video was just posted about a week and a half ago. So. I'm not exactly sure when the bullpen was thrown, but I'm assuming it was pretty recently. It looked like there were some scouts in the in the uh, in the field, so I'm guessing they were looking at him or whatever. But not too sure. It could have been from a while back. Regardless, it's there. As Zach touched on, the changeup has some decent fade. It's definitely below average pitch right now. Has some question marks with how he kind of throws it. He has some slow up in his arm and stuff. His release points a little off with it, but it's not too bad. It's about a 1900 RPM on it. If he drops a little bit more, I might get some more um, more fade, but. It's not a bad pitch. Um, I, like Zach said, it's probably going to be a reliever guy or maybe even an opener. He's got some good stuff. If you shorten it up, it could be some really nice stuff. Over three, four times through a lineup, I don't think it plays too well. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a short-term guy, it definitely plays up, and there's a chance we're going to make out a roll here. It's just definitely a, definitely a high-risk pick, for sure. Hmm. Uh, I hope he fills out his frame, maybe hopefully grows a few inches because that's my biggest worry. It's just his, his durability. Is he big enough to actually compete at that level? I know pitchers have done it. I know, you know, Tim Lincecum did it, but yeah, but I, he I also broke know. down at what? 28. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just hope that the durability is there for him because stay just, if he can harness the spin rate and just stay healthy, I think he can do something, but I want to move to the last pick of the draft for the twins uh, and the last pick of the draft for the AL central. Hawaiian Kalai Rosario. He, he got famous for beating Blaze Jordan in a home run derby. Is he the Hawaiian Blaze Jordan or is he better? He did beat him. I think the, the uh, profiles are totally comparable. I would call him the Hawaiian Blaze Jordan. I think he actually shows 
dare I say, just as much raw power. Maybe not quite as much, but it's in the same ballpark. I mean, this kid has, you know, when he really connects with the ball, he can have 75, 80 grade juice. There aren't a lot of kids in the high school class who can hit the ball as far as Kalai Rosario. It's really, really impressive, impressive raw power from the right side like Jordan. Um, he's also like Jordan. He's got a little of a, ch- a little choppy swing. He kind of gets out on his front foot, maybe leaks some of his power, which kind of scares me as to how much he'll actually hit when he gets more leverage with that front foot. In terms of the contact and his approach at the plate, it's it's a little raw, but he's also, he's young for the class. He doesn't turn uh, 18 until July. And he's also, he's from uh, Hilo, Hawaii, which is you know, off the beaten path for prospects. Um, he hasn't had a ton of exposure to that higher level pitching. So it's kind of, it's understandable that the hit tool might be a little bit raw, but still scouts were impressed with his ability to, uh, to make contact against the better prep pitchers in the prep circuit. Um, and they, they can't, they're overall, there, there's promise in that hit tool. It might be a present 40 grade, but there could be future 50 or even 55 grades on it. If he, if everything goes well. And with the amount of raw power we're talking about here, it's a really, really high upside pick. Going to take a long time to develop. He's going to need quite quite some time in the minors. But I, I like it. I'm interested to see how this goes. I really, really... I, I like this pick a lot. And I don't think he's that far off from Blaze Jordan at all. Now, defensively, he probably ends up in left, maybe right field if we're lucky. But... You know, it's you're buying the bat, you're buying the upside, and this kid has, has power. I definitely have some concerns with the swing as well, like you do. And um, just the competition he's faced, he hasn't, like like you said, in Hawaii, there's not a ton. There's some good competition out there, but nothing like he's going to face over here. And he's not able to get out to every event for the most part. So he really made his name, I mean, more or less, and just kind of like just a YouTube sensation, but not as big. But he's got the raw power, and I agree, the raw power when you're taking just strict raw power, I agree it's just up there with Blaze. I don't think the game power shows up as much as Blaze yet because there is some, like I said, question marks as you said, as you touched on as well. And with the swing, he's just too far out on his front uh, front foot. He's, in my opinion, it's really like a BP, just home run derby swing. That's kind of what I see with his swing. He's just trying to hit balls out in front with he's got stiff hips um he shifts his weight extremely early like zach said it just kind of leaves a lot to kind of just just kind of a lot to dream on like he has more power in there just kind of scary to think about just that this guy's got more power than he already is kind of showing in game if he can kind of keep that weight back and just not really get all out in front and just he extends his hands and arms well but he almost does it like too early where he's once again losing a little bit of power but he's just so strong like he pokes balls out he doesn't even need to hit it well he doesn't really even need to barrel balls up to get it out it's pretty impressive but the defense is definitely question mark i think he's more of a left fielder than a than a right fielder just his movement he's not like the worst athlete it's just he's he's not exactly his first steps is kind of not the best so i think he just kind of profiles more as like a left uh, left fielder in the in the long run but there's definitely like a lot of a lot to like here, a lot to dream on. And as Zach said, it's going to be a long project for them. It's going to take a few, four, four or five years to kind of develop the bat, figure out the hit tool, if he can even kind of get to that hit tool. But the power is going to play. The defense will be a little project as well. But fifth round pick, you got to be excited about that. And he'll make his way over to Minnesota. And hopefully the cold isn't too rough on him. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Hawaii to Minnesota is going to be a tough yeah. spell. Uh, guys, Zach, Jake, it's about that time. Uh, another one's in the book. As always, it's been great having you on, you both on. The AL Central is going to continue to be loaded with talented farms, and that means next up we bounce back across the DH aisle to the NL Central. We'll do that next week. 
where we've got some great hitters in that first round. Before we bid adieu, I want you to tell the world where to find you, if there's anything you want to plug, anything you want to say. Um, you can just follow me once again on Twitter, Jake Tillinghast27, J T I L L I N G H A S T 27. Um, yeah, we just got a lot of stuff coming on. Um, some 2021 stuff, like I mentioned earlier, some um, some national write-ups on some players. So a lot of stuff coming out recently or in the future. So be on the lookout and kind of after we're done with these uh, little podcasts of 2020, we're getting right into 2021. So be on the lookout. A lot of stuff coming out. I'm Zach Silverman. You can find me on Twitter at ZachMatt4, Z-A-C-K-M-A-T-T-4. I write I write my own blog at dugoutedgebaseball.blogspot.com and I will eventually be getting around to finishing up my first article at Prospects Worldwide. These podcasts have kept me busy, but you can find me there coming up soon as well. And I'm John Giles. You can find me on Twitter at PumaRevived. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. Again, I said it last time, I'm not making a, space ball, a special baseball Twitter. College me is the same as 31-year-old me, so deal with it. Uh, you can find my articles over at ProspectsWorldwide.com. I have a Marlins draft recap coming out in the next few days. Jake, I promise you I'm working on it. <laughs> I have not been procrastinating this whole time. I need you guys to keep listening to our continued draft recap series. Regardless of the platform you listen to, whether it's iTunes, Google, Podcasts, or Stitcher, whatever it is, give us a good rating and a review. It helps, I promise. And guys, we will see you soon. Thanks for listening to Prospects Worldwide. <laughs>